Hi, Jason. Hey, Nicole. Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to The Couple That Scares Together. Yes, you and are. And we are back for another week. And another... <laughs> another, <laughs> another rousing week. Another rousing week. And, um, yeah, I think we have a fun one in store. I'm glad we're doing this tonight. Oh, it's going to be... <clears throat> this is an episode that I personally... You have wanted this I, since the beginning. I, I love it, so And I, to be it. honest, I pushed this off because... <laughs> When I think of things that scare me or like discussions about scary topics, animal attacks doesn't really come up to the top. However, for being honest, you pushed it off because you know that I enjoy it. That's not true. So you would love would nothing to... more than to push it That's off not true. so that I can, you know. Not true. Live, you know, not true. I didn't live think in misery. It, no, I didn't think it really fit into the vein of the couple that scares together. However, we're branching out, we're exploring, we're kind of figuring out whatever feels um, like an inspired action for us, and you really wanted to do this. And I now, after doing this, realize there probably is nothing scarier than an animal attack because it really can absolutely happen. Oh, it's going to be wonderful. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. So tonight we're going to talk about animal attacks. And um, anything else before we get into it? Anything else? Uh, How's your I mean, week I'm, so far? Oh, it, it, uh, it's been pretty good. I've taken up boxing, or at least I'm going to be doing that here uh, this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those who don't know, um, our one of our boys, Brody, is 12 years old, and he's involved in uh, this local boxing club mm-hmm. and i'm gonna get into it i i like fitness and sports and i just decided like this evening i was just over at boxing watching him and i decided to start doing it so i'm gonna start uh tomorrow night that being tuesday evening it's exciting i'm it most is. exciting for coach joe i hope he punches you in the face the, the, that'll probably happen <laughs> i mean it'll probably ha- it's gonna uh, i part, mean part of that's me inevitable see you take a punch it's inevitable. I don't mean that. Don't write me letters. I don't no, really mean that. No, that's true. No, she does mean it. That's what she's saying. It. <laughs> Jason is not in harm's way. First of all, that's you, fine. No, you say, you do mean it. Otherwise, you wouldn't. I mean, a be little bit it. of me. I don't want You're you really putting to get that out into the universe, saying I, you hope that I, I get hit. I just want you and to get hair, and I want your glasses to fly off. I mean, first of all, I'm not going to wear my glasses during. <laughs> it's not. It's ridiculous. Uh, normally, like so, about two years ago, I uh, um, I wore contacts right and then mm-hmm. i stopped wearing them and i'm back to why you know, you know why because he's just too lazy to go to the doctor and yeah. get contacts. <laughs> that's, that's the truth so he makes me order his glasses online because mm-hmm. he can't even go into a store no. to pick them out no I don't. and that's why he wears glasses so it's not at that's just because you're lazy no i just got a physical today and i read like the you know, most of the smallest print like the finest print on yeah. the bottom i read or like I was able to with your read glasses. Most, well, yeah. Oh, no, okay. No, without like Superman. <laughs> All of a sudden, I was. I was like, we well, don't like, need glasses. Damn, I can read. It's a miracle. <laughs> Do you know what's sad? Jess Lavney's right. You can cure you can your cure own your vision. Eyes. You can cure your which vision. I, I, which, by the way, shout out to Jess Lavney. I started trying to work on that, but it hasn't. Like it's only been a couple of days. I don't do it. Yeah, don't do it while off. you're driving. Um, no. Well, I now realize that I what? can't read. Um, subtitles or the guide on our TV if laying in bed. It's because she... But because like, I need glasses. She I wear glasses that, to read. Uh, for those who don't know, we um, listen to her show. What would you call her? Just like a podcaster, basically. She's in business, uh-huh. like self-help stuff. 
mostly for women and like men like myself who listen to her show. <laughs> it's pretty. It's really good. Mm-hmm. She's very inspirational. She is. She's pretty interesting. So it's the Lively Show. The Just Lively Show. Yes. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the episodes that I, that I heard last week, she was talking about this book that she read and this doctor who was a doctor of some kind chiropractor if you want to call him a doctor or whatever but anyway so he was writing about uh being able to cure his own vision i don't think any of this he's not a chiropractor i think he's a real like an ophthalmologist isn't he? i google no <sighs> maybe he's like a jack he seemed like a jack of all trades well you can't be a jack of all trades you in a be. medical he's profession like Barnum of, uh, no you can't be like well i'd like dabble in anesthesiology like that doesn't work that I, way i looked on his website and okay. it said he had a like a license to be a chiropractor, chiropractor. so Why like he dabbles into a lot of stuff i um, guess i have to re- like, release an anyway release to the that. point is that he was t- that she was talking about this book that she read uh, and this guy was talk, you know, talking about being able to cure his own vision, which I think is remarkable. I don't know if it's true or not, but okay. just like the whole process of, That's, to me, I'd love to be able to do it's that. It's very like, tangible. Not wear glasses I guess. anymore or have to worry about contact lenses. Oh, well, okay. Well, I think I might so, need glasses. Uh, the point is, yes, that, that you will need glasses because you're old. And I'm youthful, and I won't read them. <laughs> and because you have a, I have a picture of Dorian Gray in the closet, and you are just, <laughs> you're not aging, and I am. <laughs> whatever, I'm at, whatever I'm at boxing out, you know, won't wear them. <laughs> okay. Well, that's exciting for you. I'm glad. Um, Tell me about your week. I thought it was, you would ask me about, I don't no, have anything to say. I don't say. care about your week. I don't have what, anyway. what am I supposed to say? I have four kids, and it's awful all the time. <laughs> it's not. I'm just kidding. No, I don't know. Anything remarkable happened. I'm sick of the snow. What'd you do this Nothing. week? Nothing. I don't have anything exciting going on. Not one. You, not sure you have the podcast. I have the podcast. This is exciting for me. I love it. No, I love it. I mean, my day job is, you know, great. Well, what's your day job? Here's my day job. Let's be real. I am teaching from home just right now, virtually. And um, it's temporary, but I'm, I'm here doing that. And I have my own office set up. Mm-hmm. And... Without fail, without it, it, it happens every time that I am taping a live lesson. So I have kids on, and I'm taping it for the other kids that can't see it. Well, I will post. Jason comes in and has a conversation with me. Oh, here we go. Every time, and I he and he talks to himself in the background, and I will say, "I'm taping," or I'll pause. And like mute no, myself, but he doesn't not, even—he doesn't even look up and say, "Are you muted?" That's not. I'm exactly not muted. And like, y- you don't say it like that. Like, I'm taping. Shh. No, what do I say? It's like this, like passive aggressive thing. Like you can talk to me. Wait, I don't talk but to you at then all. If, if I'm I taping. respond, then you're like, "I'm taping," or you well, don't even I say talk anything. To you, you it's say, because I'm muted and they're doing something. But if I, if you're talking to me and I'm giving you a look like a deer in the headlights, that means shut your mouth. No, like so today. Have, uh, this is a mess. This is a real like. I really sent this we're text. We're in real time right yes, now. Yes, I thought that was and a very. I'll yeah, say that, go show it. That she show sent it, me a text. It's back here. Where is I think it? it says this. Back here. Wait a minute. Right no, there. It there. says. 
Oh, here's yes. your passive aggressive. Here, text it's not passive aggressive. You have to stop talking during my teaching. It's so disrespectful. I first but of all, you that's couldn't how, say that. You I can't say that text. because I'm actually teaching. I was texting while I was teaching. And then Don't call my boss. The text before that. I was like, shut up. Some, in a related note, there's a text here about <laughs> don't say that. Word. I don't dog have man. I don't have permission yet. Which we're working on this case, and we'll get and we'll get back more to more on that. But there's mm -hmm. a dog man situation situation I guess going you on. Yes, yeah, so we want to help. We're gonna get yeah, but yes. more on that. So like that the Ghostbusters. No, we're not what you want. We've but we will called. connect you with others that can help you. Um, so that is yeah, that's something that happened this week. Well, actually, not the Ghostbusters. I I think people know that that was a. But yeah, well, I didn't think anybody was like, oh, maybe I should call him for my problems. <laughs> it's a new Ghostbusters uh, movie that was supposed to be out this year, but because of COVID. coronavirus, it got pushed back. Yeah, it's okay. unfortunate. I love hmm. that series. Um, <clears throat> Except for that one with all females. That was the last movie we saw in the drive-in. Yeah, drive it was really disappointing. Yeah, okay, I liked it. Your son watched it every day for nap time for a year it's because he's, he was like three years old do you remember he would good. fall asleep before the yes. credits yes oh it was awesome he doesn't nap anymore so that's fun all right well let's get into it because uh, is there, there anything else we should bring up well i was gonna say there uh, what's, oh, what's scarier than a toddler of, that doesn't speaking nap? of things that are you know uh, now we shouldn't get no let's do it so what? i mean i'm in the bathroom taking a shower my wife even comes in there and is critical of me. <laughs> first, she says, it's like these, these things. First, she says that I can't, that I don't dry myself properly. That I dry myself. Like, like Donald Duck. <laughs> oh, God. I, like, if I had seen that early on, I would have left you. Like, it's, for those who I haven't seen that. I thought you were that, joking. For those who haven't seen that, describe it. Um, I, the first time I saw it, I, like, there must have been, like, shock and disgust on my face. Shock and awe. No. He stands there, naked outside the shower. He puts the towel around his back. It doesn't matter whether his head is dripping or not. And he begins to shush the towel to, like, dry his backside just like Donald Duck. And I thought the first time it must have been a joke. And then I realized it's not a joke. He's going to do this forever. Donald Duck. Donald Duck. And every time I do it, I am just more... <laughs> In shock. Uh, all right, so then, like you're bizarre. I'm in the shower, <laughs> minding my own business, but like on my own. I came in to talk to you. My wife comes in, like distracts me. What? She says, "What? You know?" I, I said, "Hey, we're out of shampoo. Uh -huh. You know, the, can you please grab me some from the other bathroom?" Right. So she comes in with the new shampoo bottle, mm -hmm. and uh, <laughs> you know, I shampoo myself, and then I get some more shampoo. To, like, put it on the, what's the thing called? A loofah. A, a what? A loofah. Okay, like on the puffball. I put mm -hmm. it on the loofah. Yeah. To then, you know, wash my body. You've never seen anybody shower like he does. It's, uh, for, again, it's bizarre. For the women there's out there, no... it's incredible. It's the most <laughs> it, There's like a four-step process. It's the most. It's the most. And at one point, his hand comes up over his head like a chimpanzee, which tonight we're going to talk about chimpanzees. But it comes up over, and he just, like, wipes his face. I, I don't know. I, I, Listen, sometimes I get... you don't have to. You don't have to come in the bathroom. It's the bottom line. You can stay out. <laughs> And I don't understand why you're using shampoo all over your body. Because you're it's like just a easy, it's easier. It's easier. It's not 
easier. You like it. Maybe it suds up more. You yeah. like the lather. Like it makes me feel like I'm getting cleaner if right. I use that. Okay, so other. probably women know that the shampoo. Women. Yeah, women. The shampoo that I buy, whatever I buy, is not cheap. I buy you separate shampoo and you don't use it. Why should I have cheap shampoo? I should have Why blood. should you? Well, I don't think that your pubic area should have to have fancy, <laughs> oh fancy no, $20 bottle have shampoo. The best shampoo on you, the market. By the way, I know there are women out there that are like, if my husband was shampooing his entire body with my expensive shampoo, I would go nuts. First of all, those people wouldn't be on a podcast together talking about mm-hmm, it. Maybe not. But I can t- like I can smell when you've used my shampoo in there. Like, Wait, what do you mean? I can smell. Oh. No, like I walk to the bathroom. I'm like, oh my, somebody is using my shampoo. Uh-huh. It's very, it's very unnerving. Anyway. Please, she your loves ba- it. Your bathroom she habits are don't, unnerving. Don't unnerving. I hate, I hate most everything about it. It's really... Most everything about me or the bathroom habits? Yes. Or all of the above? All of the above. Well, the older I get, the more I want my own room. <laughs> oh my God, you sound like an old lady I now. Do. I want my own room. I want my own bed. I want my own bathroom. All of that. I would like well, you more. Well, let's just roll. <laughs> okay. Well... All right. Moving on and away we go. And away we go because we're going to talk about animal attacks tonight. Yeah. yeah. All right, so come away with me because we're going to talk about animal attacks. And we're going to talk about some probably high-profile ones, kind of mention some of those and go through. And then I'm going to delve deep into one of my, um, what when I think of animal attacks, what I think of. So we're going to end with that story, okay? Uh, and you will be moved. Then I've got two scary stories. Okay. Uh, two scary animal attack sidebars stories. to share. Okay. Fantastic. All right, so we're going to start with Abby Weatherhall. And in August 19th, 2013, this 12-year-old Michigan girl. Now, I want you to think oh, about... It's a she's girl. fine. She's this, like as old as Morgan. I know. That's why it resonated with me. This is By right. the way, if everyone, you're going to go, oh, then this is going to be a long night. Okay? Right, you right, asked right. for this. I, I know. Just go. 12-year-old Michigan girl thought she was a goner after a black bear attacked her twice as she jogged near her grandparents' home last week. So this article was obviously written. Oh, this is written. recent? 2013. Oh, so recent. Yeah. Right? She was jogging on a trail in Cadillac, Michigan, um, when she was mauled by a black bear that weighed several hundred pounds. After the second attack by the same bear, Abby played dead before the bear walked off. She stained deep gashes, da- gashes and puncture wounds to her thighs and back, Abby needed more than a hundred stitches to close her wounds. I was thinking I shouldn't have went for this jog. I was thinking this is it. I'm a goner, she said. The attack took place around 9 p.m. local time when Abby said she noticed the bear out of the corner of her eye. She picked up speed as the bear chased her through the woods. Oh my god! I see this bear. Oh my gosh. I start running the way I was coming from. She said all of a sudden the bear stopped me and put me down on the ground, scraping me and clawing me. Abby said the bear eventually stopped attacking her, and that was the moment she decided to get up and make an escape. But the bear came back, so I was, like, petting it. I don't know where that came from, but I just thought maybe if I petted it, it would like me. Uh Uh-huh. She said, well, that didn't work. So then it just got me again. And then I heard that you should play dead. By the way, who'd she hear that from? Something in her head? Like one of her teachers, or maybe like something in I, her head, I, like a yeah. I'm thinking somebody was like, "Play dead, kid." Yeah, so that's like what one I of her did. She could, relative or something. Maybe I, mean, I don't know. Spirit guides. Know. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe Abby. Maybe you'll call us later when you're older. So that's what I did. She continued. Uh, she's older now. It's not old enough to talk to me. Early twenties, right? She was twelve then. Early twenties. She's not old enough to talk about. She's this yet. an adult. 
right, all right. Abby, call us because Jason says you're an adult and we can talk to you. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. And then it kind of went away. And then it looked back and then it just took off. Oh my Abby remained lifeless until the bear finally disappeared back into the woods. She started running towards her grandparents' house, screaming and crying for help. Abby's dad, who was in the area, was in shock after he learned his daughter was attacked by a bear. I, I don't believe it was a bear. I didn't believe it was a bear attack until I saw the claw marks and the bruises, and it was horrible. <clears throat> in addition to the gashes and the puncture wounds to Abby's thighs and back, the seventh grader suffered cuts to her face. When the bear was attacking me, I couldn't feel it. She said, "I just went numb. I don't know how or why, but my whole body went numb, and I, and and when I started getting up, it hurt bad." Abby was taken by helicopter to a medical center in um, Traverse City, Michigan where more than two hours of surgery were needed to treat her injuries. Abby is recovered at home. She recovered at home, and she's determined not to let her run in with a bear haunt her. It's over, but I'm not going to go into the woods without anybody. I'm okay, and I'll be all right. And she is okay, and she is all right. Wow, that's pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. So I, Good for that little girl. I know. Good for that, that little girl. And I immediately thought of our little girl because she's a runner too. And we don't let her run in the woods now. No, but, no. but we also don't live near access to run in the woods to do that. Or I brought wood. Now I'm I don't know that I would like let her go by herself. Right. Even then. Okay. Well, this hits home for you. Because what is one thing you're very scared of? One thing I'm scared mm-hmm. of? Uh, like mountain lions? The second thing. Kayaking. Oh, sharks. Sharks. Yeah, All for right. sure. So Mike Coots. In the deep waters off of Hawaii, when he was 18, a shark took him by surprise when it bit his leg. In an attempt to save his life, he punched the shark twice in the face before it swam away. No, man. And he did survive. And he did. Now he goes, um, he's like an animal activist, but he's also a surfer. No, that's like, I mean, every time I go to the beach, like, I, I don't know why. It's like an ingrained fear. I mean, like, we've discussed this before. Yeah, your irrational but, fear of sharks. No, but it's like primitive. Like, it's primitive and it's primal. Yes. I mean, you're in the water. and You're out like, of your element. human beings, we're like totally <laughs> vulnerable there. Right. Like, there's no control. And we're just a piece of like meat that's dangling there. And they're large predatory carnivores. Sure. Like, what's not to... What's not to be afraid Yeah, of? if you're not scared, then something's wrong. Well, I'm not scared in the ocean. You should be. Okay. I mean, there should be... They, I don't believe that people are like, I'm not scared at all. No, no, no. I'm very cautious about, like, I don't swim at dusk or dawn. I'm not in there with chum around my legs. But I do swim with the kids in the ocean. I don't think about it. I don't think about being mauled to death by a shark. I think about it. Our every, whole vacation. Like every, Until you yell from the moment. beach. Yeah. Um, come up. Get, bring get the, out of the beach. Bring those children yeah. closer. Get out. <laughs> Um, and that makes me think of uh, Bethany Hamilton. And, you know, she's the one who lost her arm in that shark attack. Yeah, she's and, famous. Yes, and she did that movie Soul Surfer. So, right. And I think her her, um, she her, was mo- like her story is so so and... very famous. I know I show it to my students at school. So. Disney movie and yes. all that. Yes. Okay. So then we it comes to, and you ask for a big cat. Yes. Okay. And so we think of Roy Horn, right? And you know who he is. Signet. Sig- what is it? <laughs> Sigmund and Freud. Sigmund, yes. And so during a show at the Mirage on Horn's birthday in October 3rd, 2003, a seven-year-old white tiger named Montecor attacked Horn as part of the act, but veering off script, 
So it started as part of the act, mm -hmm. which is ironic. But then veering off script, Horn held his microphone to Montecor's mouth and told him to say hello to the audience. Montecor responded by biting Horn's sleeve. Horn swatted the tiger and barked, release. Suffering from dizziness, Horn tripped and fell onto his back and Montecor moved to stand over him. As standby trainers rushed in from offstage to assist, Montecor bit into Horn's neck and dragged him offstage. Mm. Trainers got to the tiger to release Horn by spraying him with, H with a fire extinguisher. I, I don't know why this was the only thing they had backstage. <laughs> like, you never thought you might need another backup plan, like a trank gun. I don't know. A <clears throat> rabies pole. Yeah. Um, they thought that was their last resort available. A the fire extinguisher? Yeah. I mean, first of all, that's inventive and great, but you don't have anything else backstage for large cats. I don't know. The attack severed Horn's spine, resulting in oh. massive blood loss and severely injured other parts of his body, permanently impairing his motor and verbal abilities. He had a stroke either before or after Montecourt dropped him <laughs> off stage. Now, listen, if you hear an interview from him now, you know what he says? What? He says that cat... I had a stroke on stage, and that cat was dragging me off to safety. I swear to Christ. Maybe that's what he believes. I mean, perhaps it's the truth. Well, uh, it's his body. Well, he's a hell of a rescue cat. He well. severed his spinal cord. <laughs> While being taken to the hospital, Horn stated, Montecor is a great cat. Make sure no harm comes to him. Comes to him. Um, and then that's when he, in September 2004, he gave this, this first interview that said that he had dragged him to safety after he had a stroke. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> well, I mean, when he was on the way to the hospital, he also said, hey, don't forget to change his litter. <laughs> no. No? Uh, he didn't well, say Well, first of all, what they don't tell you is they lived in their house. The it's cats? Like the cats lived in their property. Well, wait. Free like, range. Like on their property or no. inside their home? They were in their home for, I don't know, like regularly. But yes, they about? roamed the grounds. Like in a garage? No. They live? Spacious grounds. Verandas no, no. and such. Where do they sleep? Wherever they fucking want. It's a cat. That's crazy. On the Shays Lounge. We no, gotta I mean, get these yes. dudes on the show. Well, one, that, they, one's dead. He died just a couple weeks ago. Oh, he did? Yeah, I think so. Well, let's get the other one on. I, okay, fine. Um, okay. Well, so. The no, incident. I'm sorry, Harry passed away. That's not. I mean, no. I'm not trying to be white. Well, it wasn't because of Montecor. Montecor wants everyone to know that. Well, no, it may have been from complications. He was seriously injured. No, it was years. I mean, maybe that diminished his life. Right. The incident promoted, um, prompted the Mirage to close the show, obviously, mm. which had um, a 267 cast and crew members, none of which could sedate a tiger. Well, and trainer Chris Lawrence later contradicted. Their explanation of what happened, of why the tiger attacked Horn, alleging it was due to Horn's mishandling of Montecor. Ooh, interesting. In the, fairness, it is a tiger, so what are they supposed to do other than, like, shoot it? I mean, how are you going to get it off him? Are you kidding me? If you had this stage production, millions of dollars. I understand. No one has a trank if gun. a tiger, if you had to get it off in, a, in an instant. A trank gun. Uh, Maybe. A fire like, extinguisher I, is better? No, no, I'm not saying you should use a trank gun. You instead, say, who's the But fun? no, no, no. It's still going to take a little bit of time to, like, take effect. I think it is reprehensible that there wasn't a plan B. And I don't know who insured that show. But the I fact agree. they didn't say, Perhaps what happens if shit goes firearm. south? Right. I'm just saying. I'm saying a firearm. Like, but, Maybe. But the problem is it's indoors and you got people there. It's Vegas. 
What if that tiger had jumped off the stage? What if? The, first of all, the whole thing at Don't this ha- point yeah, let's not. is like, I mean, just it's a tiger in a closed environment on display for human beings, like in an environment that's just very strange, like awkward. It's a, you know, it's a situation that just should not be. Yeah. It's a wild animal. Yeah. Well, so the trainer, Chris Lawrence, um, and the and Horn went back and forth <clears throat> saying that, um, and they kind of dismissed the trainer's, you know, opinion, and they sure. kind of drug him through the mud. And uh, But Lawrence always stated that he believed that the duo and the Mirage covered up the real reason for the attack in order to protect their image. Probably true. Yeah. I mean, come on. Like, it's probably oh, true. Oh, they made a mistake. Now, well, hold on a second. What? Because uh, I want to jump over to one of the stories that I found just recently. Okay. Um, so this, this actually happened. Also, by like, the way, I want you to know in my notes, this is all it says. Did you look over here? Crocodile hunter. Crocodile hunter. Like, I don't well, even you have, didn't st- have to explain. No, because I thought it was stupid. So, so, um, there just recent, well, not some, it's not that recent, but uh, it's about a year ago. Uh, the story's dated March 20th of last year, 2020. There was a mountain lion, uh, that attacked a resident in in Colorado, actually oh. in Larimer County. Okay. Uh, excuse me. So um, this uh, the mountain lion attacked a uh, resident and a deputy, and oh. both were injured, oh. but uh, they survived. So. You know, hey. Did they use a fire extinguisher? To no. Get them? <laughs> no, it doesn't appear so. Uh, Why isn't that an well, option? They, they killed the mountain lion, so oh, I okay. can't. So um, I'm going to need to know details about that. A uh, game warden. Oh, right here it is. A uh, game warden shot and killed the animal. Okay. So there you go. Uh, the deputy was bitten uh, in her shoulder. Mm. Mm. So. Two I mean, people, that's terrifying it got that close. Yeah, two people got attacked. Right. And, however, in Nobody this died. case, they were to... Okay. No, right. no. They were able to shoot the mountain lion. Okay. Well, that brings us to a man named Gene Moe. Have you ever heard of Gene Moe? Mm, I have not. Okay, he was a 69-year-old man who fought off a 70... A 750-pound brown bear with his knife. Mm-hmm. He had just killed a deer, and he was in the process of dressing it out. And the bear thought he um, that he would take it from him. Right. And um, he couldn't get to his rifle in time, but he already had his knife in his hand. Oh my mm-hmm. god! It was a buck one ten folding hunter knife. Yeah, I know. Like, mm-hmm. what they, I so mean, not they, like a machete. It was a knife. No, yeah. it was right. just like a uh, what you would do to like gut a deer. deer. Sure. Like for, yeah, just taking out the. Mm-hmm. So the, the story goes, he thrust it into the bear, bear's neck cutting it up and down after oh. some cutting and punching the bear on the nose he finally was able to get to his rifle and finish the critter off with three bullets jesus he's like rambo yeah he was chewed up some but he apparently you know like that's a super tough how old was he during the, during the attack 69 he was 69 at the time of the attack uh-huh they said he's a formidable man hell formidable. yeah he is i think he like a lace carpet like he was like still, you know what I mean? Like yeah, like he's like a hell shape. of a guy. Mm-hmm. Like he's a dude. He knows how to handle himself, mm-hmm. so especially now, around the ladies uh, here. Oh, that's he probably has a very nice wife who just was like, oh my god, that's <laughs> not true. All right, so that brings us to a man named Frank Harms. So this one, well, I'll, I'll read it and let you all right, decide. All right, all right, go. He's an Alabama man. 
And he says he's recovering after being attacked by a panther near his Marshall County home. Panther or mountain lion? Because it's like oh, no. one and the same. Oh, no. You heard me right. A panther. Panther. Mm-hmm. Like as in a pet? No. He says he was walking his dog in a cove behind his home city near Morgan City when he heard something behind him and turned to see a black panther. <clears throat> in Alabama? Correct. Harn says he moved to scare the panther away, but instead it attacked and clawed his leg. He says he stabbed the animal twice with a knife and it ran away. Residents of the animal of the area have reported seeing panthers in the past, saying that sometimes they come out looking for food. Really? Mm-hmm. He had to then undergo a series of rabies shots because of the attack. Something so, I mean, attacked how him. Is that pot? Like, does that mean that yeah, the person? Probably a black dog. No. <laughs> no. Was... I don't want to say that because I'm going to be attacked by a black panther. No one will believe me. I believe you. Frank. Yeah, but where the hell are they coming from? Like people's pets, like the pet trade, like the you know. Like... Some think some people think that they've set up residency, like they're the exotic animal. You know, pet trade. Like, the underground, you know what I'm saying? Like, the underground, yeah. or, you know, like, no, black I, market I, Black cats, by the way, we're going to have to do an episode on black cats. I guess we will. Black cat sightings are very, um, they've been for years. Witches. Always That's black where you cats. went? Witches have black Not cats. panthers. No, just like, you know, oh, we had to put our cat to sleep. Oh my god! Well, no, I was just I letting people know because we talked. No, we didn't because last show I was like, you know, please pray for her. I don't think so. I think we. No, I said that's how we ended the show by saying, you know, if you can just, you know, send along some positive energy for her. Jason, we put the cat together down last Thursday. And we taped on Sunday. Oh, whatever. We've already said goodbye to her She's still still gone for those who (laughs) missed the last show. Jason, Jason, you can only do do one memorial to the cat one time. It's done. She was my cat. I had her for almost 12 years. She was splendid. Oh, my God. I just don't even know. Okay. So that brings us to Carl Akeley. And he's considered the modern day, uh, the father of modern taxidermy. There you go. Oh, my grandfather was, uh-huh. uh, he was a taxidermist. He was, yeah. Okay, I mean, for, so this guy, yeah. Carl, was not. <laughs> well, you you okay. told me to speak about it. I know, that's enough, on. that's enough. Uh, my grandfather was I, a taxidermist. Okay. Thank you, there you go. Milton. Was not only a taxidermist, but was also a naturalist, a sculptor, a writer, and inventor. It's like a, just a renaissance man. My grandfather was all those things. He was a hell of a fisherman. <laughs> okay. And a hell of a salesman. Okay. Best known for the Hall of African Mammals that bears his name at the American Museum of Natural History in New York. We've, I've been there. We've not been there together. But have uh, you ever been there? I guess I guess it wasn't there with you. Who knows who you were there with? I mean, it probably on like a field trip with kids. Mm-hmm. Calm yourself. It's probably risque. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Um, in 1896, Carl started his first trip to Africa. And it was also on this trip that he came face-to-face with a deadly 80-pound leopard. During a journey into the wild, his assistant and were hunt, hunting hunting or, um, ostriches for the Field Museum in Chicago. Which, like, what are you hunting ostriches for? That reminds me of the movie Up. When the hunter spotted yeah, something yeah, lurking. Mm-hmm, something lurking, Kevin. <laughs> something lurking in the tall grass. By the way. What? Let me just, what? My wife tells me all the time that she will die first. Oh my god! And then I will be like that old man in Up. I hope so. Who just it's so sits cranky, in his chair, just alone. looking at my chair. Yeah, 
I hope so. Uh, no, I think I'll be fine. I think I'll be fine because I will have a young wife sitting in that chair next <laughs> to me. You think so? Okay. As this was his first big trip, Carl, this is, um, he was a bit inexperienced and thought the mystery creature was a warthog. Wanting to bag the hog and take him back to the States, you're welcome, um, Carl <laughs> raised his rifle and squeezed the trigger. But when he heard a blood-curdling shriek, he, re- he realized his mistake. That was no pig, it was a leopard. And it was still alive. Not wanting to end up a stuffed cat of his own in- on his own, right. he raised his rifle and fired twice, but he missed both times. On the third shot, this cat sucks. The bullet grazed the leopard, sending the feline into a frenzy. Yeah, probably pissed off that he got right. He's shot now. Enraged, the big cat screamed and charged the American, all teeth and bad attitude, ready to take his revenge. Terrified out of his mind, Carl pulled the trigger a fourth time, only to realize that it was out of bullets. Downright desperate, Carl tried to flee, loading cartridges into his rifle as he ran. Working the bolt, he turned to shoot, only to see the leopard flying through the air, fangs bared. Mm. Unfortunately for Carl's first shot, had wounded one of the cat's back paws. Thanks to the bullet, the leopard jump was a bit off, giving him enough time to throw up his hands. The cat sunk its jaws into the man's forearm, and the two started to wrestle back and forth, fighting for their lives. Eventually, the man and the cat grew weak and tumbled to the ground. Finally, he managed to strangle the leopard with his left hand while ramming his right arm down the leopard's throat. Just put your whole arm right in his throat. Yeah, that's what I got to do with the, um, our dogs all the time when trying to bite. Just, just, what are you talking about? I'm just kidding. I use a water spray bottle. Uh, right. Later, Carl posed with the dead leopard, resulting in this most iconic photo, which we will put up on our Instagram. It's kind of small. Look, oh, look at his arm. It's fully really bandaged. Well, everything's off. jacked Damn, up. Damn, he is kind of ripped up there. And it's not. Well, just I mean, think about that for a second. That cat, like, imagine like those people. You know, those who have pet cats. Okay. Right. Pet cats are small, but you know when they get pissed They're off, assholes. they can like real, they can bite the oh, shit out yeah. of you. So imagine like a large cat, like that's eighty pounds. Yeah. Oh my god, that'd be so ferocious. <laughs> also, side note. Also, what's in my notes? Ghost in the fucking darkness. <laughs> I love that movie because Jason loves that movie and I hate it. And there it is. But it is a good movie about. Um. What's it about? No, I said it's a good movie about lion attacks. It's, uh, it's based Val on a true Kilmer story. Val Kilmer when he was skinny. Oh, Val Kilmer when he was uh, skinny is amazing. Val Kilmer uh, starred in this movie. Uh, uh, um, he's an engineer. Uh, okay, that's enough. The bottom line is he goes to Africa. Val Kilmer takes shirt off twice. Michael Douglas still looks good. Hold on. He goes to Africa. There's these man-eating lions. They want to put a bridge right. in. I know this. Right. Michael Douglas is a... A hunter. He, he's a hunter. Bounty he's hunter. A, poacher. He's whatever. Whatever. Wanna, he's Michael Douglas. Yeah. You know, he's... When he isn't on Wall Street... He looks Street, really good in like a white shirt with those tan oh pants. Like those when khaki... he's not on Wall Street, he's not shooting <laughs> lions. That's the point. He looks good in that movie. Yeah. Okay. So watch it for that. Anyway. Jesus. It's a great movie. You're going to wait. You, you talk about... You, you always say it's horrible. I mean, it was fun the first time. What is not good is when I come into a room and it's on in any sort of time or you just don't even start it from the beginning, just midway. Just love it. Love it. Like, just, the movies I can watch at any time. That's not one for me. Ghost in the Darkness. Okay. A question no one has asked. Last question. Of, <laughs> last of the Mohicans. Oh, so my, my mom did too. Okay. Last of the Mohicans. Uh, 
There will be blood. Oh, I hate that Daniel movie. Daniel Day-Lewis. And I hate Daniel Day-Lewis. Uh, My Left Foot. Do you want to watch that one next? <laughs> no, I haven't seen that for a while. <laughs> What's like another movie that oh, I'm trying to... Th- uh, to be Glorious Bastards? To be, oh, yeah. Oh, and Jane, oh Django. Oh, Django Unchained. <laughs> Jamie Foxx. I don't want to see that movie one more time. Django Unchained. For, oh, my God. It's beautiful. It's not beautiful. We, it's, it's, it's a poignant. great movie. It's a great movie. <laughs> I love it, man. God. Yeah, he does like that. All right. So, fine. Thank you. No one asked for that question, though. What are some movies that you can watch over and over again? No one asked. But thank you. I just Appreciate told him. It. All right. So, now... This brings us to the moment in time where we're going to talk about what we really even want to talk about. The most. The most. Savage attacks known to man. And they are chimpanzees. Huh. Okay, so let me give you a little background about chimpanzees and tell why. About, tell them about the, uh, the one at the zoo that smokes. I'm going to tell you about the one at the zoo that smokes, yes. So we live near, um, <clears throat> we live near the Baltimore Zoo. And it's one of our favorite places to go, even though I think I find zoos sad. But oh, I don't know how I feel about it. It's slippery slope. Slippery slope. But anyway, and I don't, ugh, but I support him. I guess I support zoos. But anyway, so we love to go to the zoo. We like to go during, um, we usually get a zoo membership and go during like when it's kind of rainy or not peak time. So we really can enjoy it and just um, mm-hmm. whatever, not have the crowds. So we, it, we did. And we, on this one particular occasion, it was a rainy day. I remember that because you had to go to the gift shop and buy yourself a sweatshirt because you didn't bring one because it told you to. And then you were like, I'm chilly. That's I not, have to go buy a sweatshirt. None of that is true. All of that's true. That's just for the show. It's All a, of that's true. It's a blatant lie. So we get into the chimp house, right? Which is a much needed respite from the rain. And Teddy was little enough that I think we might have had him in a stroller. And oh, he was yeah. up and walking at the same time. And for Ugh, people that don't know, our little Teddy, who is five... When he was three months old, he was diagnosed with auditory neuropathy, and we thought that he was profoundly deaf, like moderately to uh, bilaterally profoundly deaf. He isn't. He is an oral speaker, but at the time, we thought we would be a fully immersed ASL family. Right. Ironically, I went to school for that, but no one else in the family did, so Jason learned. Together, we were learning. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say I learned. I was in we the were process in, we of were learning. That. And we... Um, Love the deaf community. Uh, but anyway, we toured, remember? Yeah, we were prepared to Got move. Debt yep. in oh, yeah, we were part of the research project down there. So yeah. it's something that we know that we will always, like, Teddy will always have something going on with his hearing. At this point, his nerves are remaining stable and he's five. So we think we're out of the woods as far as um, that's concerned. And he speaks really well and he's oral and he prefers to be oral. That's the important part. If he wanted to be, if you wanted to use ASL um, exclusively, we would as a family. We are totally about immersion and total communication. So I think he's over that by this point, though. I think, I think so. But, I mean, it. if his nerves fail. Well, if they degenerate, then right? sure. Anyway, that's that's where this brings us to because it's important. So we go into the chimp house, right? By the way, you did get some good news this week from uh, your county, remember? No. Uh, the search and rescue. Not yet. They vote out. Oh, well, wait. I don't uh, want to curse myself. No. We'll uh, announce it when it's time. Curse before the horse, dear. Yeah. Sorry. No. Mm. All right. I can't even say anything that my kid has kicked out. Okay. We can... <laughs> no. Never mind. You're counting. We didn't make uh, <gasps> search and rescue team. Jesus, God. I won't say it. Please. About... I won't don't say curse it. me. I won't. <sighs> I won't say anything about the. Anyway, York we're County in the zoo, Baltimore Zoo, in the chimp house. There's no one else there that day. And the keepers are outside the glass, right? Like giving you 
some um, background about the, the chimps. Sure. And all the chimps are like doing chimp stuff away from the glass. But this one chimp, and he has a oh. dirty sweatshirt curled up under his arm. He immediately is going to the class. And here comes Teddy, walks right over here and signs, hello, do you want to be my friend? And the chimp signs back, friend, yes. Swear to God. It was the most beautiful interaction. So I look over at the keeper and she goes, that's Louie. And I said, okay. She, he said he was a star mm-hmm. and rides skateboards. He loves to watch TV and smoke and drink. And when he became too much, they, <laughs> you know, they, um, um, what, do you, what do you call it? Surrendered him to the zoo. No, that's where tired. he lives. He's I guess. a star. He's oh, yeah. retired. None of the other chimps fully accept him because he's... He's down there in Florida. He's right, because retired. He, no, because he'd prefer to smoke and drink and watch TV. Right. Me too. I don't want to be with like, the chimps. Like, what kind of chimp are you Like, an dirty sweatshirt. Immediately, I felt bad for him. But anyway, they also said, though, he... I think Louie does go crazy because, if you recall, this was a beautiful experience. One of the other times we came back that it was it's really crowded, beautiful. people were banging on the glass and stuff, and he was screaming. Right. Like, he was just so pissed off. He has off. a temper. Well, I think he, yeah, like all stage actors do. Right. The wheel freak. But anyway, but one of the things besides that sweet interaction with these very human-like creatures, right? My son and this chimp, like, we're like, we speak the same well, language. Well, there are two chimps, basically. <laughs> but the keeper said, out of everything that happens at the zoo, big cats, everything else, <sighs> we are most frightened of the chimps escaping and we have contingency plan after contingency plan after contingency plan for chimp escapes meaning they'll shoot them dead well because we know that they watch us open keys they watch the keys they watch the locks they test for our weaknesses they're smart and we know if we get out if they get out we're in trouble they're smart and organized and i thought from then on i really looked at chimps differently right they're savage they're savage i swear to you though when brody was like his second birthday or something, I had my sister and my uh, mom. My part was just probably like, this never this happened. This is the stupidest thing ever. No, I was going to have like this big old birthday party, whatever. And they were trying to give me, like, I was like, I think I'll have like a chimpanzee that I can, people will carry around birthday parties yeah, no. and meet baby chimps. Well, I don't know why you do that. At the time, people were still doing that. Now, you can't have a chimp at a birthday party unless you live in Texas. That's like, what's his name? Uh, oh, the hell that. What? Oh, the Lion King was there. Or not the Lion King, the what? Tiger King. That's oh, Tiger yeah. King, guys. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. People would go by and down, hold yeah, chimps. Hold, here, and hold, hold this chimp, hold this hold lion, tiger. get a picture, help Jeez. this tiger. Yeah. And I probably wouldn't have thought anything of it. And you're going to hear from the story that this was the world in which this story takes place. Mm-hmm. Are you ready for it? I'm re- uh, there's always... Uh, y- y- Yes. You're yes. going to have a hard time with this. It's because they're so it's disgusting. Vicious. Like how they... But it's also how human they are. No, they're... Yeah, I'm afraid of them. Okay. All right. So I want to introduce you to Sandy Harold. All right. Throughout her life, Sandy had long, straight black hair. So black it was almost looked wet. She wore it down past her shoulders. Her bangs were straight across cut. And she always applied... Bright pink lipstick and copious amounts of bronzer. I love her already. She wore skin-tight size 7 jeans and she spoke with a strange accent, a New York and a New England hybrid, and spent her entire life in Connecticut. She was born in 1938 to a Jewish mother and Italian father who operated a bakery downtown and eventually built an unassuming shingled house on a windy road called Rock Rimmon to the north of the city. 
As an only child, Sandy spent most of her time playing with her German Shepherd Gretchen and tending to the horses on her property. At birthdays, her parents outfitted her in silk dresses and cardigans and had her pose alongside Gretchen. All right. So this is Sandy's story. Mm-hmm. Kind of. I'm going to tell. Right. I'm telling Sandy's side of the story. Yeah, I get okay? it. Um, because to me, I found this heartbreaking and just. I, I, it's a slippery slope to madness. I'm going to listen that. to it. I'm yeah, you do. Like so disturbed by it's it. Be disturbed. It's great. All right. So she married shortly after high school and then again in 1960. Her second marriage was romantic and tense and desperate. She adored her new husband with whom she had a daughter named Susan. In 1961, they, but they fought violently over, oh, her, met her husband that kind of collapsed again. He had lots of affairs and they fought and she divorced after four years. Mm-hmm. Okay. So at 30, Sandy married for her third husband, Jerry. At 30 years old? At 30. She doesn't waste Jerry. any time. All right. He was kind, intelligent, and devoted. God bless Jerry. Right. Her life stabilized, and she and Jerry and Sue, right, who mm-hmm. Jerry raised as his own, ultimately settled on their house um, where her parents lived. Mm-hmm. Sandy and Jerry operated several businesses, like a tow operation and auto body shop, that yeah. would soon make them unlikely millionaires. Oh, okay. wow. Oh. Very oh, successful. Yeah. For the first time, Sandy, Sue, and Jerry um, would tow their horses back and forth. So Sandy and Sue later could do barrel racing. And they did it like semi-professionally in rodeos. All right. So they're skilled at it. Yeah. And during that, um, and during that, they met like Loretta Lynn's traveling radio, rodeo. And that's where they meet this 18-year-old <sighs> runaway. Her name is Charla Nash. Okay. You don't know her? No. Okay. Who was uh, rodeoing her way around the country. One day, Sandy and Charla spotted a chimpanzee dressed in Western wear who rode a horse around the ring. Sandy sought him out backstage. She was carrying some gummy bears, and he took them from her with his fingers. Later, back on top of his horse and him wearing a cowboy hat, the chimp spotted Sandy in the audience. He jumped down, ran on two legs, and leaped into her arms. Mm Mm-hmm. Between the expanding businesses and the horses in her yard and the many dogs, the Heralds lived a happily frantic life. Mm-hmm. Okay? That's where she, like, falls in love with the chimps. Yeah. No, right. I, I, mean, I get the premise here. Sue grew. Her daughter grows into this platinum bomb version of her mother. The two race side by side. They did country line dancing. Right. So, like, mother big success. Big yes. success. So, Sue marries an employee from her parents' shop and moves away. Sandy then was bitter and heartbroken. Um... Then each of her parents become sick and died, right? So mm-hmm. her world's kind of shrinking. Yeah. Seemingly, all of a sudden, she and herself and Drift a dairy started to kind of like, I don't know, they started drift towards middle age, right? Mm-hmm. Being home by themselves. They've got, they're tending to these businesses. Damn, that sounds wonderful. I know. Well, for us, it does. Um, so it's around this time that she receives a phone call from this breeder in Festus, who's in Missouri. Festus. Festus, Missouri. Um, and this breeder says, Sandy, I have a baby for you. Oh, my God. It's a boy. So, Sandy stands in Casey, this breeder's living room, and in her arms, swaddled in a diaper, lay this tiny little chimp named Travis, named after her favorite singer, Travis Tritt. What, what? This is amazing. Yep. Travis was the son of Coco, who'd been snatched from the jungles of Africa in the early 70s and purchased for $12,000, and an 11-year-old retired zoo t- chimp <laughs> named Susie. A, dear, er, a, dear, a day earlier, the Casey's had shot 
a tranquilizer in, Suz- in Susie and remove Travis from her cage. Oh, my God. I know. It's terrible already. Travis peered up at Sandy. They bred these chips yeah. to produce this, this, this Travis's yes. baby. Yes. So I want you to picture this. Black hair covered his all but his interior of his face, which was pink, and he had two tiny Dumbo ears. Just from jotted from the top of his head. Yeah, he sounds wonderful. I, well, you know I love chimps. A wonderful I could do little this. murderer. <laughs> Sandy cried as her hands and feet, as his hands and feet grasped her. Grasped she her. cried? Yeah, she was so excited. Oh. Mm-hmm. She paid the Casey's 50000 in cash. That's sickening. Uh-huh. And with Travis wrapped in baby blankets, the two of them boarded a flight home. By the way, fifty thousand dollars. Hey, By the way, you can't gonna, get a plane. No, ride it's, with a no that's now. horrible. Like we're gonna bring these chimps, yep. and you're gonna pay us fifty fifty grand in yep. cash, and we're gonna sell you this chimp. Yes, which should really be in the wild. Correct. Not... Okay. So she back at home, angry. Sandy and Jerry are now playing with Travis. Um, he's absorbing all their smells and cues, learning language. Sandy mm-hmm. bottle fed him formula, burped him, yep. would put him down for naps in yeah. the crib in their bedroom. At three months, he turned over. By the way, that's a long time. Like, it's human. Yeah. No, he's smart as hell, obviously. But but slow in their development, just like a human. Right? So, you like, really, you have a lot of time. Anyway. Soon he was scooting and then walking with his arms and legs, and his knuckles absorbed most of the weight. They taught him to use a toilet. They joined him in the bathtub. They brushed, oh my god! They brushed his teeth. He later taught him to brush his own teeth. Sandy bought him an extensive wardrobe and dressed him every morning. Okay, mm-hmm. clothes. They retrofitted their house to accommodate Travis. They caged him in a large room in the rear, which had sets of sliders that led to an outdoor enclosure. They installed heavy lock and lockable metal doors on their bedroom and created a suite of rooms, including the caged room where Travis could roam freely when he was left alone. Sure. When Sandy and Jerry were home, Travis had the entire house at its disposal. Mm -hmm. He would knuckle run from the couch in the living room to the kitchen, swinging from tires and ropes in his bedroom and jumping on his bed. Um, They also laid a mattress on the floor of their bedroom, though most lights Travis slept in bed with them. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine. Like, he'd be, like, so strong. Mm-hmm. Sandy and Jerry took Travis to work with them every day. They installed tire swings, ropes, and trampolines in a giant room above the tow shop. He mm-hmm. was inquisitive and friendly, and even the tow truck drivers and mechanics melted when they oh, saw yeah. him. Oh, yeah, you know he was great for business. Oh, Their my gosh. business must have skyrocketed, skyrocketed. when they had that He's a celebrity. Man. Hell, He's yes. A celebrity. People from their town and yes. all over the area would come to that place to meet the oh, yes. They were some of the happiest days of Sandy's life. By then, Sue, her daughter, remember her, mm-hmm. had divorced her first husband, and she and her young son had returned home. Moving into their spacious loft-style apartment at her parents' um, that they constructed right next to the auto body shop. Yeah, I get it. On the premises. Right? Sandy and Sue worked together every day in the room above the tow shop with Travis. They joked, you know, gossiped. Um, Sue's son Tyler and Travis were close in age and they played well together. Mm-hmm. Travis matured more rapidly than Tyler. Um, his fondness for the boy grew so often that he held him in his lap, kissing him. Mm. Travis grew quickly. Jerry played catch with him and taught him how to ride a tricycle and then a bike and then a ride on lawnmower. Oh. Mm-hmm. Sandy would put on a blue bikini and big gold hoop earrings and took him to the beach, carrying him into the water with her. Oh, my Lord. Sandy and Jerry invited Travis to join them at the table for meals. He ate oatmeal with a spoon every morning. Oh, he eats better than I do. He does. I love oatmeal. He loves oatmeal. With brown sugar. Yeah. Oh, oh, he put brown sugar probably. in Probably. He was obese. I lo- 
He was? Yeah, you'll hear it. Fat? Yes. He obese. Was, I know what obese means, but he was a yes. fat chimp. Yeah, what do you hear what he eats? At their favorite Italian restaurant, oh, restaurant, she read him the menu offering him choices. His favorite food was filet mignon, and he also enjoyed lobster tail. He preferred Lynch chocolates, and he liked Nerds candy and taffy. <laughs> he loved ice cream, hooting and pulling at Sandy when the ice cream man came down the street. When he was thirsty, he Damn, swung his body. That's really sm- like, can you Wait, imagine oh, it gets how worse. Smart it gets better. He is? Yeah, he swung his body oh, up on the shit. counter and took a glass. Out of the cabinet, opened the refrigerator, and poured himself juice or soda. Our kids don't oh, even do soda. this. Oh, yeah. They gave him everything. Travis had a distinct sense of humor. He became particularly impish when Sandy was on the phone talking. He changed the channels on the remote uh, furiously. He blast the volume on the TV. This is what children do. She would scream out, cut it out, you little son of a bitch. Sandy would yell and then laugh. I'm going to kill you, you little son of a bitch. And he would laugh back. I'll tell you, she'd say into the phone. You this should see how very, smart Travis actually is. very sad. Yes. Uh-huh. Um, Sandy was dumbfounded by his, Travis's um, uh, humanness, right? Though she didn't know the name for it. Um, she, you know, she didn't really know all the, the science behind it, but. Um, yeah, I, no, I, I can understand mm-hmm. that. It's just, he's, he's, I mean, she takes care of Yeah, him. and like, I think she's just like completely, she had no knowledge of this at all. Right. She had no, yeah. no, there is no reason why she should have owned a chimp. It's, but she was going through this completely well, I don't think she, I mean, I don't know. No one thought this was going to happen. Yeah, right. no one thinks, oh, he's going to, it's right. going to end up badly. So Sandy's old fan, friend, Charla, remember her from the rodeo? Comes to visit. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. I, re- I remember now what happens. Bringing with her young daughter, Brianna. And they sat outside. Charlotte played with Travis. The chimp climbing all over her. Messing with her long blonde hair. The two of them posing for pictures. He climbed the tall oak trees around the property. Racing up then. Jumping from one to another. Travis quickly became the most famous resident in their small town. Mm-hmm. They plastered his image on the side of their tow trucks and flatbeds. He sat shotgun on, t- on toad calls, waving as the truck pulled up. He came to, lo- to love police officers especially. Mm-hmm. Virtually everyone in the force had taken their photo with him. He's like Curious George. Yes. Strangers approached in stores and on the street. Sometimes they handed him their babies to hold. One fall day, a neighbor was out raking his leaves. Across the street, he noticed a Corvette coming down the Herald's driveway. It was Travis's favorite car. He perceived it as his own. Sandy said, in fact, there were rumors that Travis had once taken the keys, gotten behind the wheel, turned the ignition, and half standing in the driver's seat, his opposable thumbed feet grabbing the pedals steered the car down the driveway. No kidding. The man raking the leaves watched as the car grew closer. Dressed in animal prints and decked to the nines, Sandy was driving with Travis in a ball cap and a t-shirt sitting beside her. The windows were down, and each of them had an arm hanging out the window. The man raking the leaves raised and Who's tra- driving the car? Sandy. But oh. Travis is riding shotgun. That's Sandy true. and Travis both wave back at the same time. Like he's just like, hey. Yeah. Oh. I know. This makes like I feel like in my stomach I feel sick. Well then I'm done my job. I feel sick in my stomach because okay. I know You know how it ends. It's yeah, bad. horribly. When Travis was around five years old, Sue, the daughter, right, falls in love and marries again. She had two more children, and she and her husband eventually decided to relocate to the Outer Banks, where they were going to open a mechanic shop. Sandy didn't take kindly to the news. In fact, she was very upset. Again, she felt abandoned. She disapproved of her daughter's choices. Within a few months, however, Sandy was calling to tell Sue that they couldn't stand not talking and were reconciling, right? Mm -hmm. 
She sent money and gifts down to North Carolina. Um, so by all accounts, they were mending fences. Okay. Sue makes plans to come back to see her mom to get some of her belongings. And on our way home that night, one night in September, Sue complained about back pain, took a Percocet, was driving. She had her infant daughter in the car seat and that car, the daughter's fine, but she collided with a tree and died. Mm -hmm. She was ejected from the car. So the phone rings and wakes Sandy and Jerry and Travis up all asleep in one bed. Right. And, um, you know, they sandy freaks out her daughter's gone her daughter's gone at the funeral she causes this big scene screams you bastard to her son-in-law because he's the reason she's down there you know in north carolina and she's upset right 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 so in the years after sue's death sandy becomes um she has depression she becomes combustible like Mm -hmm. angry she struggles to maintain relationships with sue's children like her grandchildren she can't maintain relationships because she's so distraught Displaced she starts, anger. Yeah. She starts distancing, start distancing herself from her friends. And at one point, she says she considered suicide. Okay. All right. Her life was now built entirely around Jerry and Travis. Mm-hmm. Okay. And when she finally begins venturing out of the house, it's with the two of them. And one day, they drove down to the, the sea. They walked on the beach holding hands. And Travis, who used to hold their dog Apollo's leash, right, she now considers Travis her only child. Okay. Travis quickly moved beyond the phases of adolescence and through puberty. He's yeah. now into early adulthood. Right now, it starts becoming. Yes. One night after precarious. work. Yep. Jerry was sipping a glass of wine when Travis climbed up in the seat next to him. Travis was interested in what he was drinking. Jerry offered him a sip. Thus became their night- nightly ritual a glass of wine. One for <laughs> Travis, one for Jerry. They, oh, they drank out of wine glasses and they would clink and say cheers. Jerry would say cheers. Travis isn't speaking. All right. Travis, though, was growing more willful. Three years had passed since the death of Sue, and it was a warm night in October. And this was 2003. Jerry and How Sandy. How old is Travis now? He's well, like, he's a full. And he's getting older. Yeah. Now. He's an adult yeah. chimp. So um, they had eaten a dinner of sausage and peppers and were sitting on the couch watching the World Series. Oh, I can't. So, it's not yet. Travis was an avid TV watcher, and he loved sports. Of course he mm-hmm. did. All three of them were cheering for the Yankees. And Sandy and Jerry decided they needed to make a little trip to the tow shop. So they asked Travis whether he had any interest in a ride. And, of course, it was rhetorical because he would love to. They were in their forerunner. They stopped downtown at an intersection. And we don't know for sure. But someone, for reasons unknown, throws an empty soda bottle into Travis's partially open window. Mm-hmm. Okay? Travis looked, grunted, unbuckled his seatbelt. Mm-hmm. Safety first. Right. Unlocked and opened the door and began knuckle-running across the road. To go after him. We don't know. He stood surveying the area in his extra-large adult diaper, because he was potty-trained, but he wore diapers when he was out. Yeah, thank you. right. At one point, he lunged at a passerby. He's a gentleman. And then, all of a sudden, he lay down in the street and began rolling on his back. People in their cars honked and pointed. Traffic at the intersection became... At a standstill. Yeah, I mean, this Neighbors, was on that, yes. that show we, we watched together. Right. I mean, Neighbors came out to watch. Travis was clearly enjoying himself, climbing over cars, hooting and smiling. He chased the dozen police officers who called it loose chimpanzee <laughs> downtown. And spectators cheered for him. Yeah, but it's actually dangerous. As he, he invaded them. He can't be captured. Right. Um, 
cookies and ice cream could not coax him back, and which is important because at this point he is obese. <laughs> Again, let me just tell you that. All right. Um, each time they tried to lure him into the the forewinner, uh, Travis opened the door and got back out before they could lock it. Uh-huh. All right. This continued for two hours. Finally, when he began to tire, Travis climbed into <laughs> the so SUV, buckled his seatbelt. No charges were pressed. All right, several of the officers, officers who knew Travis personally wrote in the reports that his attitude was only playful. They escorted the Heralds home. Travis spent the next day in his room, grounded. Virtually everyone made light of the escape downtown. All right, everybody except, per, except perhaps, like even the State Department the, of Environmental Protection mm-hmm. was like aware of what happened. DEP. They were like, we don't really want to do that because he's a local celebrity. We don't want to issue anything. The local town's animal control officer was a concerned. Yeah. And so she contacted like primatologists and she spoke, really? mm-hmm, she spoke with Sandy. She said, like gave her information and said Travis was now a fully sexualized adult. Chimpanzees in the wild have sex. Monogamously. <laughs> as often as 50 times a day. Okay. Really? Yes. Oh, man. Wow. Travis. Travis isn't doing that. He's probably pent. He's really. He's, he's pent up. Yeah, he's upset. All right. She said that they had the strength of five men, and yes. that adult champions were known to be unpredictable and potentially. Vi- what did I say? What do you? you I don't know. Them like chimpsies. Chimpsies. Yeah, which is why do you know chimp actors are always pre-pubescent? Now I can't speak at all. Pre-pubescent. Thank they're you. younger. Yes. Yes, because they're not right because yeah, they, they can't mature. go through puberty. Right. Right. And I understand. Yes. Hippie, you know. Yes. They said Threes that maintaining handle. him for the duration of his lifetime is not viable. Like she said, you can't do this. Right. He's too Sandy gained. seemed to um, kind of listen to the officer's warning, but ultimately concluded that he never had any kind of capacity for violence. Right. And not, my, not, not my, my chimp. Mm-hmm. Um, there was another piece of information, however, Sandy chose not to share with the officer. Which was? Two years earlier, the Heralds had received a phone call from Connie, the breeder, mm-hmm. in Festive. She explained how Travis's parents, Susie and Coco, had, to be had escaped their cages and with a third chimp, ran into, across the ranch to a nearby housing development where a 17-year-old named Jason Coates and some friends were pulling into Coates' driveway on their way home from the Dairy Queen. Mm-hmm. Okay, Coates claimed that the chimps approached his Chevy Cavalier and trapped the teenagers inside, baring their teeth and rocking the car. Oh, my. Coates eventually got out, ran into his house, grabbed a shotgun. Casey had arrived by then into the driveway and tranquilized Susie, who was now, according to Casey and other witnesses, um, sitting on the edge of the road, stoned, fingering grass and flowers. <laughs> right? Casey begged Coates not to shoot. He fired three rounds and killed the chimp. Yeah. She died. Sorry. All right. Following several neighbors' testimony, though, the chimps were behaving playfully and posed no threat. People, like, testified. The jury found him guilty. What? Coats of property damage and animal abuse, and he served a month in jail. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Coats nevertheless remained steadfast in his belief that the chimps were dangerous. He said that he was scared to death. Right. right? So the Herald stopped taking... I mean, I don't blame him, so, honestly. Yeah. No, I don't either. I mean, now, I don't. The Herald stopped taking Travis out in public after that embarrassing incident in the downtown right they spent most of their time um away from work at home he was sitting next to uh, jerry one day facing away from him kind of pouting and jerry was eating after he had some dental work done jerry did not the chimp yeah um and he kept saying 
Daddy got his foot, uh, his tooth fixed today. Look. And Travis wouldn't. And he'd say, come on, Trav. Look at Daddy's new teeth. And um, Travis would turn and kind of look halfway. And he'd say, come on. Which tooth had the boo-boo? Which one? And Travis uh, finally opened, um, finally looked. And Jerry opened his mouth. He goes, which one? And he was able to put his hand on which one it was. And he's like, yeah, that's it. Now show Daddy your teeth. And he would show him his teeth. And they would like, you know, mm. whatever. Um, yeah. It was, uh, mm. but by the way, this chimp's getting big. Um, and then that would kind of coax him out of his like bad mood. And then mm-hmm. Travis would um, start to like laugh uncontrollably. But the the important part of this is Jerry was like the comic relief for Travis. Like Jerry and Travis. Okay. Okay. So then Jerry starts not feeling very well. And after playing with Travis one morning in March 2005, he went off to work. He felt really discomfort, like, you know, discomfort. Is Jerry going to die? Yes. He asked one of the employees to take him to the hospital. And over the course of his week's stay, the doctors say that he has rapidly spreading um, stomach cancer. Right. Sandy went and spent every minute at the hospital. And one night, um, he said he wanted to talk to her about Travis. He asked her what she would do if he were to die. If it it would become just her. And alone with Travis. And um, as much as it pained him, he urged her to send Travis to a sanctuary. He said Travis would be too much for her to handle alone. He said it would be best for both of them. That he'll, like, take over. Yes. When Sandy arrived home from the hospital, Travis smelled her clothing, like, frantically for Jerry's scent. He was so disoriented by Jerry's sudden absence, he became despondent. Several times, Sandy put Travis on the phone to talk to Jerry, and every time, Travis became so upset that she had to take the phone away. He would sat, sit oh rocking God, back and forth terrible. for hours. He lifted pictures of Jerry off the wall and put it to his lips to kiss. That's really sad. Yes! This is sad. It is sad. I, Don't own a even, chimp! We haven't even reached the no, hard part No! Yet. So, Sandy took all the pictures down and put them in a box, right? April 12th, Jerry dies. After Jerry's death, Sandy ignored all the condolences, stopped speaking to all of her friends. Travis continued his rocking when she sat on the sofa crying. Travis would gently brush her hair. He bit her nails and used an emery boil to file them. Really? Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. When almost a year had passed, Sandy sat down to write a letter. She drafted it. We have the letter in longhand and addressed it to a woman in Florida who runs a... um, a sanctuary and these were the paragraphs that she wrote just the last two paragraphs it says needless to say after 45 years with the most wonderful man in the world we are both lost without him and missing dearly the chimp in her travis still waits for him especially at supper time because at that time they both had a glass of wine with their supper and if our if my husband ever cooked anything you could bet it had had garlic in it try having two guys breathing on your your sleep time with garlic breath Travis would go to the bedroom window many nights to sit on the bench and bench seat and look out, get very vocal and happy, and then come back to sleep. This was always very late at night. Finally, I went to a psychic, and she told me Jerry would visit at night and talk to Travis, and my husband would always kiss me goodnight. P.S. Him and Travis kiss alike, and that's a good. That's good too. So she thinks that, by the way, Travis was being visited by Jerry. Which is kind of psychic. So there you go. I tied that back in. Right. Right. She says, I have no family. My only child, Suzanne, had gotten killed in a car accident four years before Jerry died. 
and who Travis also loved. My grandkids live in North Carolina and I don't see them very often. I live alone with Travis. We eat and sleep together, but I am worried that if something happens to me as suddenly as my husband, what would happen to Travis? Therefore, I have to try to do something before that happens. I'm setting up a trust fund for him, but that's not enough. He needs someone to play with of his own kind and have the best possible, the best, most possible life if I am not to here to care for him. I would love to see and talk to you if that's possible. I'm flying down to see your member event and closes our donation. I'm looking forward to meeting you. So she okay. signed the letter, Sar- yeah. Sandy, Jerry, and Travis. Mm-hmm. And enclosed photos of Travis and the family and wrote a $250 check. Right? Mm-hmm. Signed it, put it in the mail, never mailed the letter, never made the trip. Oh, God. Okay? Lady, come on. So that brings us back to Charla Nash. So Charla yeah. and Sandy reunite around the time of Jerry's death. Yeah, I and know. Charla and her 12-year-old daughter had um, lived from point to point. At one point, they lived in a homeless shelter. Charla had taken odd jobs and uh, occasional yard work. This reunion becomes mutually beneficial. So Sandy invites Charla and her daughter to move rent-free into their loft apartment that had once been Sue's. Mm-hmm. Okay? She gave Charla a job handling towing dispatch and bookkeeping. Over the time, Charla's apartment got blurred. Like, she was taking care of the property, and she was taking care of Travis. She's doing everything. Yes. Um, And she was taking care of Travis if Sandy went away, but, you know, she never went away. So she really didn't really do that. She's just doing all kinds of stuff for the family. Mm -hmm. For four years, Travis never left home. And Sandy only did sporadically. Um, She would go to compulsive shopping trips. Like, she sent hundreds and thousands of dollars at places like TJ Maxx and Marshalls. That's, Same. No, I mean, if that's, I... <laughs> that's healthy. That's healthy. Um, that's where I would send Ben all my money right. if I could. Right. She had stuffed bags of clothes in bins all over the house. So, she was found hoarding. She's a hoarder. Yes. He's got, like, some mental, mental illness, illness that's creeping in. Yes. Um, she had... Uh, uh, so, like, the house is probably not being very well taken care of anyway. She and Travis had themselves in the kitchen most of the time and the suite at the rear of the house. And then in early 2008, construction was underway on this gigantic new addition that Jerry had designed for Travis years earlier. Okay. Okay. Travis, by this point, no longer bore much physical resemblance of his old self. He was 14 years old, 5 feet tall, 240 pounds, and morbidly obese. His hairline had receded dramatically, and his center torso had gone gray. And only 14? That is my college boyfriend I just described. 14 just years old. I hope he's listening. <laughs> he 14 does years old, and yes. he... Yes. His face was black. He aged so much? Yeah, because he, he's living on shit and processed food, in a, <laughs> sitting in a bedroom. I, mean, I just picture him... I showed you the picture with the McDonald's cup. Just like eating like cheese waves, like maybe right, right if he out could, you're gonna find out what he likes. His face was black and wrinkled. His chest sagged. He spent the majority uh, of his days. He should days... be muscular and like no. in shape. No, he... should be. No, he doesn't. He no, spent... I said I know. should be. If you leave a chimp, they'll snack all day. This is what happens. His chest sagged. Yes, he would play on the computer, roam the house, snack, and watch TV. He's quarantined. It's quarantined. Like, this is... I can't. This is... makes me very, very sad. <laughs> you need to get through this. It's not nice. It was February 16th, and Sandy and Charla had just returned from a weekend at a casino. Mm-hmm. Before leaving, Sandy had taken Charla to get her hair colored and curled, just in case they had joked they met some eligible bachelors. Right. Um, Sandy had offered Charla some gambling money. At dinner one night, Sandy had opened her purse and showed the waiter several pictures of Travis. Do you think he looks more like my mom, she would ask, or, or his aunt? <laughs> yeah, she's real funny. And now it was 3 p.m. and Sandy was a bit in a bit in a panic. She was meeting 
a friend and as she was been cleaning up Travis's room, she walked into the kitchen, picked up the keys from the counter, unlocked the door, ventured out into the yard, and she sees um, Travis, and he seemed agitated for a good part of the day anyway. After eating a lunch of fish and chips and a carnival ice cream cake. Mm. Oh. <laughs> it's bad. He'd not been particularly interested in watching any of the three TVs that were playing in the house at the same time. I do love ice cream cake, <laughs> I, go, I can't lie. He did not want to draw a color. He did not want to pet his cat, Misty. Oh. Uh-huh. Even the smorgasbord of food, he had popsicles in the freezers, and she would label him R for red and really? F for fudge sickle. <laughs> and, I love how he had his own cat. Yeah, no. He's a and chip, then, and he's like, yeah, we're going to get him a, a dog. kitten. I never heard it. He had his own dog, too. Apollo. And, Jesus Christ. And she would keep steaming bag vegetables that he'd like to toss in the microwave by himself. He would do it all by himself. Wow. Mm-hmm. Sandy was slightly concerned about how he was acting, so she dropped a Xanax in his mug of afternoon tea. Oh, mm-hmm. my God. She was on the phone with Charla. She told her about Travis. He was outside, she said, running from car to car, apparently wanting to go for a ride. He'd ignored her, like, you know, enticements to come back inside. Mm-hmm. Later, Sandy would say that Charla volunteered to come over and help. Yep. Charla this would maintain. I know this. She was asked. In any case, she arrives about 3.40. Opens the iron gate at the end of the driveway and drove to the front of the house. I'm mm. not laughing because it's, I'm, it's, I'm laughing because you are so uncomfortable. She stepped out onto the frozen dirt and grass and held over her face a red Elmo doll oh. that she thought to bring with her. Travis was in the front yard about 35 feet away. He knuckle ran toward her and then came up on two legs. Travis, Sandy shouted. Travis, what are you doing? Travis, stop, Travis. It's Charla, Travis. Travis knocked her into the side of the car, then to the ground, and almost immediately, Charla turned red with blood. Sandy screamed and grabbed a nearby snow shovel. She ran to Travis and began beating him over the head. He was screaming, too, this terrible high-pitched squeak. He continued at Charla unyieldingly, mm-hmm. hysterical. Sandy ran back into the house. She grabbed a butcher knife. She ran back, <sighs> screaming all the while as Travis stood over Charla, chewing, ripping, and pulling. Sandy plunged the knife into his back. He did not stop. She pulled the knife out, stabbed him twice more to little effect. Travis stood up finally, turned to look at Sandy in the face, directly in the face, and then continued. Sandy ran to her Volkswagen, parked about 15 feet away. She got in, locked the door, dialed 911, still holding the butcher knife. This is what the 911 call says. They answer, what's your emergency? She says, 241 Rock Rimmon Road, send the police. What's the problem? Send the police. She is screaming. What's the problem there? The, that chimp killed my, my friend. What's wrong with your friend? Sandy gasped, pressed her foot onto the floor of the car to turn around and look. Her face pushing against the buttons of the cell phone. She sobbed. Oh, please send the police with a gun. With a gun, hurry up. Who has a gun? Please hurry up. Please hurry up. He's killing my girlfriend. I need you to talk to me. I need you to calm down. Why do you need somebody there? What? Please, God. She is screaming. What is the problem? He's killing my friend. By the way, this no, is 911. Like, like the just... worst part is if you, there is a documentary that I know that, that you can have the call that, you can find the call you can find the audio yes and it's like, we're not gonna play it it's too disturbing I can't this yeah. is well, this is bad enough this is horrible she then screams who's the 911 operator says who's killing your friend chimp my chimpanzee 
Oh, your chimpanzee is killing your friend? Yes, he's ripped her apart. Hurry up, hurry up, please. What's going on? What is the monkey doing? Tell me what the monkey is doing. He ripped her face off. He ripped her face off? Gun. They've got to shoot him. Please, please, hurry, hurry, please. Ma'am, ma'am, I need you to calm down. They're already on their way. I can't, I can't. He's eating her. He's eating her. He's eating her? Please, God, please, where are you? Where are they? It went on for 12 minutes. When the authorities finally arrived, they saw a body lying, mostly naked on the ground, lifeless, covered in nearly half of its blood supply. Travis was roaming the property. He made his way to the police car. He swatted off its driver's side mirror. He went to the passenger side and tried to open the locked door. He walked back to the driver's side. He tried the door. It opened. The officer lurched. He struggled to remove his gun from his holster. His body became wedged against the center console computer. Travis stared into the car, bearing his blood-soaked teeth. In one swift motion, the officer at last released his gun and fired four rounds. Travis staggered backwards, screeched, defecated, and ran off. By the way, these are the same police that used to take pictures with them. So they are shocked, I'm sure. Also, he probably didn't look the same. (laughs) The officer got out of the car. Huge chunks of scalp and fingers lay scattered around the yard. We know this why, because chimps... In the wild, when mm. they are mad at each other or there is a rift, they bite off digits because they know you need them to, to, to do things. That's what they do. Um, that was a side note. Yeah, no, I, mm-hmm. I, I, mm-hmm. I, I remember that. As they walked by Charla, um, they thought it was a stump of what remained of her arm. She reached for their leg. Oh, God. Uh-huh. Another group of officers set out into the woods to look for him. Travis scampered unnoticingly back into the house, leaving a blood trail. She's alive. Yes. He knuckle-walked through the kitchen, in the bedroom, and into his room. He collapsed on the bedpost. Yeah. He bored and died. Mm-hmm. Charlotte's snatched injuries were overwhelming. Travis had bitten or torn away her eyelids, her nose, her jaw, her lips, and most of her scalp. He'd broken nearly all the bones in her face. He fully removed one of her hands and virtually all of the other and rendered her blind. And yet she did not die. Three days after the attack, in critical condition, Charla was flown to a, on a specialized jet, uh, jet to Cleveland Clinic. Fifteen months of intervention followed. A month after the attack, her family filed a $50 million lawsuit against Sandy. Sandy was alone. After weeks of blistering coverage, journalists from around the world hoping to coax Sandy out of the house. Um, and she wasn't, but eventually she did speak about the inaccuracies because there, at this point there was things flying everywhere. Um, so, uh, Travis was the same champagne tra- tra- that had appeared in some of the old Navy ads of the nineties. He was on the Maury Povich show. Mm-hmm. He was the New York Post had um, then accused. No, I remember. Yeah, then they accused Sandy of this like weird jungle love. <laughs> She said her and the chimp never had sexual relations, by the way. Oh, my God. Um, and on the phone, on this interview, she cried, I stabbed my own son. Um, for a long time. Well, I mean, that's I mean, how she felt That's how she felt. Like, for a long time, she refused to clean it. up the blood in her house. Well, like, think about how people love their pets. I know. Like, how we love their pets. I know. Imagine how she felt about her I chimp. Know. And then she, I mean, I can understand that. I know. Um, she sat a gigantic stuffed chimpanzee in the leather chair in his room. Um, she says, you just can't imagine. She sobbed into the phone one night to a friend. They cut off his head. She was referring to the last time she'd seen Travis. He really was fat. Yeah. Though. When she'd gone to the crematorium to drop off his favorite tie-dye t-shirt and discovered he'd been decapitated for rabies testing. Yeah, you have to do You that. have to. She tried to go to have some sort of life, visit some friends, 
she tried. Um, uh, she tried. I mean, you know, like she tried to go on a date and then, um, but she, nothing really just. There's a picture of him when he's like really mm, fat and mm. his hair is like receding. Yeah, so all that was really left for Sandy was animals. They said she put bowls outside for raccoons. She fed deer in her yard with her hands. Um, she never did find another chimpanzee. Well, she should never oh, have no, one. No, she did find another chimpanzee. I'm sorry. His You're name, kidding yes, me. Yes, his name was Chance. Um, she knew she could never bring him back to Connecticut, so she contributed money to a friend out of state, and the two women were to assume kind of joint custody. Are you kidding me? Mm -hmm. After yeah. all that, she got another chimp? Uh-huh. Well, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's mental illness. Yeah. I guess I shouldn't say that, but, like, God damn, it ripped off someone's face. I'm not sure how much they, like, lived together. Mm-hmm. Still. Mm-hmm. Um, sometime later, her chest began hurting. The pain was quick and intensified. Um, she died of um, an aorta, uh, you know, bulged, and she was going in for emergency surgery and died. <clears throat> so... Uh, Charla Nash, you probably would remember her. She was on Oprah, and she kind of showed her face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw the picture. So she eventually was transferred to a long-term assistive living facility outside of Boston. She's had innumerable cosmetic surgeries. Nothing is really done yeah, her anything. Her face was ripped off. Mm -hmm. She has said that, um, I just look different. Things happen in life that you can't change. It's a tragedy. Um, so... Um, she said about Sandra or Sandy, Sandra was a troubled woman and maybe she is at peace now. Um, the house where this happened on um, Rockrim and Road remains exactly as it was the day Sandy we left. Let it go there and scope it was hold, held in court for a long time in limbo. I'm not sure if it's if it's there anymore. Um, there was rumors that she hid, hid money, so people had broken in several times. Oh, that's um, a shame. The life size stuffed chimpanzee still sits in that chair in Travis's room, gazing out the window. Um, a few miles away is a cemetery with had no tombstones, but there's a plot that belongs to the Heralds. Besides Jerry, inside a sealed vault, inside a sealed coffin. Sandy wears an animal print shirt and tight jeans, distressed. Her nails were painted pink, and her hands rest on top of her abdomen. Against her on one side was an urn containing the remains of her daughter, and on the other side was that of Travis's. Wow. Yeah. So, that's... You asked for animal attacks, and yeah, I gave you Travis the Chimp. I mean, I've, like, knew... Well, first of all, I knew the story because we had watched uh, the video, uh, the TV mm -hmm. program that, you know, documents the whole case. Mm -hmm. But then to hear it again. Mm -hmm. And to know Sandy. Yeah, like, no, Sandy, it's so disturbing. It reminds me of Mo the Chimp, which is a different story. Oh, Lord. And if, you, if you're interested, <laughs> this one's a different story. But it's the same sort of construct that this couple... There's this like moment in time, a snapshot where all is right. Everything's beautiful. That's Travis like they love and Jerry and Sandy other. are eating spaghetti together right. at the table. Right. Like nobody's the, ripping There was a off. moment that, yes, yeah. that was beautiful. And then it wasn't. And the problem is that he grows up and he matures and he right. becomes a chimpanzee. Right. Like, you know, your uh, what's his name? Siegfried and Roy have tigers and they're great as right. cubs. And then, right. hey, all of a sudden the... Now there's now there are tigers. Right, and there you're right. When I, my 
I often wonder when I was reading about this in some other cases, do these start out as undiagnosed mental illness? Because she had some other signs, depression, anxiety, and that doesn't mean you start to to collect chimpanzees or get one, but she had hoarding-like tendencies. Would mm-hmm. she have done something else to fill this void that she well, can't she, address? I mean, she or lost her daughter. do you fixate so much on this animal that you become mentally ill? I, I she know. seemed normal in the beginning, like relatively functioning. Yeah. Till this chimp, if the chimp had I, never come in her the life, the bottom line is that people should not have any, these kind of animals. Right. These kind of animals in their home. I mean, my brother is a game warden. He's told me stories about, you know, like capturing wild animals yeah. in people's homes. I mean, it's well, crazy. I'm gonna need to see somebody who has a chimp. I don't want to be around that thing. I know. I mean, it's great to see in a zoo or in the wild, but... They should be in a sanctuary. Not in a person's home. Yeah. Agreed. It's very scary. I mean, it's just very sad. Mm Mm-hmm. So so that's our animal attack stories. Jason needs a whole week to recover. We were going to get into, you know, some more stuff. Scary sidebars. But I think we're going to put that on hold because (laughs) I can't... I mean, I feel, like, emotionally rot... (laughs) And you wrecked. remember you remember he asked for this. I know. And I Because I love the stories, but there's just I can't describe the way like the chimpanzee stories just tear me apart. It's like you get like these little baby chimps and they look so like they're part of a family and then it all goes haywire. Yeah. In a way that is so alarming. Yeah. And just so gruesome. So what are we gonna talk about next week? Not animals. I was like let's talk about like law of attraction or something positive next week yeah maybe i don't know i mean something you know that's gonna kind of raise you know like raise our frequency in a good way yeah um okay we could do that i don't know we can do all kinds of stuff we can talk about urban legends or something terrifying whatever you want to do (laughs) but no like the chimp listen I mean, I could discuss this all day, all day, literally all day, talking yeah. about, but, but it's just like so emotional. Yeah. I just, yeah. oh man, Travis. Listen, well, and that poor Charlie, she was just like a friend trying to do a good thing. I know that's horrible. Travis, she's just gone after Sandy, but he wouldn't. He just pissed off at somebody. Right. Man. All right. Well, there you have it. So we will see you next week for a slightly more upbeat version of the couple that scares oh, together. You don't know that. Mm-hmm. And the meat whole, could be another. <laughs> could be another depressing one. I don't think so. Um, go have, take a Xanax oh, and no. go to sleep. Put a, after put that. a Xantex in your evening tea, people. <laughs> okay. Go find the F for fudgesicle in the freezer I'm and enjoy. Have a, I'm gonna go have some wine now. Okay. All right. In honor of. Travis and, and a Jerry. glass of red wine. It's good yes. for the heart. It goes with the carnival ice cream cake. <laughs> All right. We'll see There's you back here picture. next week. There's a picture. We'll put of it on Travis. our Instagram. We'll put it. It's beautiful. All right. He's see fat. Ya.